Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Thursday. First of yesterday's news, I'm Glenn Zibby. We're looking back at Wednesday. Uh, youth crime. Can we solve it by putting ankle bracelets on the youths? Uh, myth. Uh, we've been talking about myth a lot this week, and we're going to keep talking about it. Uh, hopefully that will stop people taking it. Uh, and numeracy. Is it just too hard? to do numbers and we'll finish up with fish talk but before any of that uh, the Northland lockdown yeah sorry sorry Soz Northland um, yeah shouldn't have locked you down there actually not sorry haven't said sorry but Adurn, Hipkins et al are all suffering from the saviour syndrome which is an underlying belief of these individuals that it is the noble thing to do they believe they are somehow better than others because they help people all the time with enormous sacrifice to themselves. While motives may or may not be pure, their actions are not helpful to all involved, according to the definition of the saviour syndrome. The problem is that trying to save someone does not allow the other individual to take responsibility for his or her own actions and to develop internal motivation. Therefore, the changes may only be temporary. If that doesn't sound like this government, I don't know what is. The whole lot of them have got saviour syndrome reinforced by COVID. I don't believe that this lot will ever understand the damage they've done to New Zealand. So calls for inquiries into the COVID response will go unheeded. Calls for an inquiry into emergency housing will be ignored. The only way these people will be accountable is at the polling booth. Yeah, and people seem to be feeling like that's still a long way off. And might be starting to worry about what's going to go wrong in the meantime, between now and then. Like, if you're sailing the ship towards the rocks, you might want to try and steer it away from the rocks. No use waiting to have an election after you've hit the rocks. Have we already hit the rocks? Have I stopped understanding my own analogy let's um, uh, go back to youth crime now uh, Seymour of course wants to snap uh, bracelets, ankle bracelets anklets onto all the kiddies uh, surely that'll work will it? Um, I'm a youth worker so I, I work with these um, these youth offenders um, I work in a facility at youth Facility just similar to kind of boys, uh, like a boys' home. Right. Um, and I've been doing that for the past seven, eight years. And ram raids definitely isn't a new thing. Um, the thing that's changed nowadays is back then, the only, I, I, I guess, thrill they had was when the news would kind of show CC footage of them doing their crimes and they would kind of record that and hold on to that as kind of their... I guess, token or what they thrive off, what they get out of it, right? The Attention. The that they get and the, the bragging rights to their friends. At the moment, the biggest issue is social media. TikTok mm. has made yeah. this such a big, I guess, niche for the little kids nowadays that, the you know, the bigger their crime is, the bigger they get notoriety. And that's one of the other reasons I'm opposed to the bracelet or the anklet, Jeff, because that's going to give them a notoriety of sorts. Yeah, um, and we had a we had a young offender in our, in our care who had an ankle bracelet, and it was almost like a, a bragging rights. And they used to call it the Rolex. 
There you go. Um, I, I, I love that young people nowadays still do refer to it as the Rolex. Which, of course, is, is ridiculous. I mean, who wants a Rolex these days? Surely it's the Apple Watch Pro. Surely that's what you want, isn't it? Anyway. These things are always a bit more complicated than they first sound when David Seymour says them, don't they? Um... Still, we don't want them ending up on meth. Now, when Helen Clark's crowd wrote this report and handed it to the health minister, instead of him saying, look, Helen, I'm not sure what you've been smoking, but dream on, and throwing the report in the bin, he's looking into it. Andrew Little wants to look at this idea, while in the same breath acknowledging that there is no appetite in New Zealand for decriminalisation of drugs, given the referendum result. But this government clearly knows better than us. So despite the fact we didn't want weed on every street corner being sold and we probably don't want meth clinics around the place peddling meth to users out in the community either. They'll still look at it because they know best. Little said the government's focused on efforts to support addiction recovery and funding addiction recovery programs like the one they already do for gang members on meth and they're willing to take bold steps, he said, to develop this further and expand it. He said the government's poured a lot of resources into health responses for drugs over the past five years. It's gone well for them, hasn't it? And he says there's a lot more money going in. Does that reassure you as a taxpayer? Does that sound like a health minister with his priorities in the right place? I mean, I reckon, call me crazy, but I reckon we should start with some, I don't know, nurses, some GPs, some rural health care, maybe some midwives, some decent ED resources. I mean, surely that'd be a good place to start rather than continually handing out more money to meth addicts. It's a weird thing, isn't it? The legalisation of um, drugs. Uh, we keep hearing about places where they've done it, but then we get mixed reports of whether it's good or bad. And then we can't seem to get any hard and fast facts on whether it's good or bad. And the, and the measures by which we judge it seem to be very um, interpretive. They bring things like the economy into it, um, different things about health benefits or um, cons, health cons. It seems to be a very complicated business. If somebody could just tell us what the answer is. Maybe we, nobody can tell us what the answer is because we don't know how to um, add things up anymore. Apparently the, the numeracy standards, are they just too high? Or are we actually, in fact, terrible at math? So uh, are the tests too hard? No, the tests aren't too hard. The tests are pitched appropriately for the, the level of literacy and numeracy, reading, writing and numeracy that people need to ad- operate as adults in uh, our modern economy. The so problem what, is the way uh, in which we're teaching uh, these, these things. Okay, let's come back to this. So just tell me what the tests are testing. Are they testing the kind of stuff that you would need, for example, if you're a plumber and you need to read um, a how to install guide and you need to be able to do your books at the end of the day or whatever? That's the kind of stuff that they're testing? Yep, that's a pretty good example. So it's not testing at a level that would be commensurate with university study. That, that's, it's, a, it's a lower level than that. This is just basic adult life stuff. Okay, so what are we doing wrong then if we're teaching the kids in such a way they can't even do basic stuff? Well, for decades, we've been pursuing methods of of teaching uh, reading and writing and numeracy that are not as effective as they could be. And this is actually largely an ideological thing. So 
There's lots of research in the science of learning that, teach, that tells us how best to teach these things, and we haven't been following it. The Ministry of Education has promoted what you could call a strongly constructivist approach, uh, where they expect children to kind of discover things on their own without a lot of structure. Uh, but actually, children need a lot of structure to be able to acquire these kinds of skills. I suppose it's um, mess does get harder, or it doesn't over time. Like there was a time when we didn't know what zero was, for example, or negative numbers. We didn't have them. And then we had them, and so then we had to learn them. Um, there must come a point where it just gets too hard, and maybe we've come to that point. Isn't that why we invented computers and things? To do our maths for us? Hey, we're going to um, finish up here uh, with some fish talk. Marcus, not into fish. We are talking tortoises and tropical fish. And I'm all in. I'm loving it. I don't think it's for me. And this is going to be more revealing about me than it is about you. I don't think it's for me. Guess why? The cables. There'd be plugs for lights and plugs for heaters. And plugs for, what are they, oxygenators? Basically, if you plug it in, I don't want it. Cables. Also, part of the course is we live in a house, and I think it's just got one socket in each room because that's the way they built houses in the 1930s. And all the internal cables are in what's known as conduit, which is copper metal pipes. So it's not like you can get the sparky, just pull it all out. and re- so That's my take anyway. <clears throat> so who am I to change the person's vision of the house anyway? So, yeah. But cables. I'd like a house that didn't have cables. Oh, that'd be called off the grid, wouldn't it? Off the old griddo. Hang on, does he want more plugs or no plugs? I've got a little bit confused there at the end. Um, more, more plugs is definitely better, isn't it? It's so annoying when there aren't plugs in the right place. I, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly buying extension cords and multi-boxes. I do have a lot of stuff that plugs into my house, though. And I do have a fish. It's not my fish, and the person who, who owns the fish doesn't even live in the house anymore, and somehow we've been left with the fish. Just don't know why the fish didn't move out when she moved out. It's a trouble with fish. They don't move easily. I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, might be with Marcus on this one. Not about the not having any plugs. Definitely more plugs, less fish. See you back here again with perhaps more fish talk tomorrow.